everybody. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleMania is the Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. Thanks for joining us. We are always excited to talk to you and talk with you and talk wrestling. Uh, we got a good one for you today. We're going to talk WrestleMania 29 from way back in 2013, a full decade ago. So we hope you uh, hope you enjoy this one. We certainly enjoyed watching it for you. Uh, hope you caught our recent um, solo episode with Rich talking about classical music in pro wrestling. I was off in the Caribbean having a little vacay, so thanks for filling in, Rich. Thanks for uh, putting together some interesting stuff for the folks. Yeah, sure. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Those of you that have paid attention enough, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can put something together for a third one. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say it's the second in a series. Um, kind of gets right to your uh, your your two favorite topics, pretty much, which is yeah, music yeah. and wrestling. So um, if we could find a way to work in, like uh, I don't know, rotisserie chicken or something, you'd you'd have it nailed. That's yeah, like... gluten free recipes, classical music, and pro wrestling. There we go. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll be the spinoff podcast. What do you think? Yeah, maybe maybe some like. Uh... Reference interview librarian talk. Too. Oh yeah, that'd mix, be good. Mix that in there too. You know. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, yeah, so I, I feel a little out of practice because I, you know, like I said I was off for a whole week and we I missed recording with you and uh, and talking wrestling. So hopefully I will. Hopefully it'll be like riding a, a bike or whatever that saying is. So and smash right into a brick wall. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's get the fall in the traffic. That's fine. I'm ready. Um, so I just thought before we jumped into uh, this this WrestleMania that we want to talk about, there's a lot of wrestling news lately. Um, I don't even know where to start. Did you catch The Rock on SmackDown a week or so ago? No. The, the highlights anyway? Uh, I know he showed up. Yeah. Uh, so I assume he called somebody a Rudy Pooh candy ass or something like that. I don't yeah, know if they would still say something like that on WWE television. He definitely uh, he came out and did his his usual shtick. I, I had a really good time. Actually, we watched that one uh, down in uh, down in Aruba. We watched that on TV down there, so it was kind of cool. Yeah, the crowd was going nuts for him. So mm, yeah, I'd imagine so. Those people people that go to live WWE shows these days are just like starved for anything to happen when they're there. So. <laughs> You know, that's kind of like the, the like the president and like Mick Jagger all showed up at the same time and rolled out. So yeah, I thought it was fun. I know some people sort of cracked on it a little bit, saying it was a little bit corny, and he's kind of you know going back to the well too many times. But I mean, after uh, I mean, I, th- I thought it was especially appropriate that we're watching this one, you know, which is kind of his last really big starring role in a WrestleMania, and then him popping up on uh, on my TV. So that was cool. Yeah, everything comes around. Nobody can stay away from wrestling. It, it's know, just right? how it is. You can't stay away. It calls you back. We'll see Stone Cold on there again before too long. The other big thing happening is lots and lots of releases from the WWE just just this past week. It's yeah. a bit of a bloodbath over there. So there's um, 20 on this list that you sent me from CBS Sports. So the big names are Matt Riddle, Dolph Ziggler, Shelton Benjamin, uh, Elias, Mustafa Ali, um, Riddick Moss, a.k.a. Madcap Moss, good old Flop Dollar, uh, Rick Boogs, who we both love. Yeah. Um, Boogs. <laughs> Rick Boogs, that guy is incredible. Well, we'll, we'll talk about some of these guys in a sec. Uh, Mason Monsoor, who were in the, the male, the model thing with uh, L.A. Knight there for a bit. Uh, Dana Brooke, Dabakato, and Shanky, who are two of their big like, Indian stars. And then a bunch of folks from... 
NXT that I hadn't heard of before. But um, any uh, any thoughts on that list? Any of that really surprised you? Probably Elias was a big surprise to see go. Plus Rick Boogs, because, I mean, he's just coming back from that horrible, grotesque injury. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shelton Benjamin, you know, I love Shelton. That's, that's a heartbreaker. They just brought, I felt like, it feels like they just brought Dolph back and gave him a good run, and then they're like, bye. I mean, yeah. I look at this list and all I can think of is that like, uh, so the UFC merger went through with Endeavor and stuff that came through and immediately the new company TKO or something like that pulled up the WWE.com merchandise shop and was like, this is the line. Anybody below that, they got to go. Yeah. Anybody that's not turning in the money. I was just talking with someone on Facebook about this, that like WWE in the last 20 years has turned into a marketing company more than a a professional wrestling or even just sports entertainment. It's, it's marketing. It's all about who has the face and who can talk and who gets them, uh, the Snickers deal and who will do the M and M's ads and who will do cricket wireless and who can sell you a Honda. And, (laughs) and like, that's all it is. It's all marketing. It's all advertising the entire show. You know, that's why they don't even charge for the pay-per-views anymore. It's a premium live event that's thrown up on Peacock and you're watching a commercial for two of the three hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's branding and cross promotion. That's, that's their main things. And I think, you know, looking down this list, I don't see any of these guys moving <laughs> any kind of merch yet. Yeah, may riddle of the, of the ones riddle, maybe yeah. sell some t-shirts just, just looking at the average like raw and SmackDown crowds, but the rest of like, nobody's buying Dolph, Dolph Ziggler t-shirts in the year of our Lord 2023. Right. Um, Shelton mm-hmm. Benjamin is incredible. Like I, I can't understand how that guy yeah. is in such amazing shape. He's been doing it forever at this point. I know. I know. For it's crazy. Ever. It's crazy. Well, and, and so we were kind of talking offline a little bit about both Elias and Rick Boogs, I think, are two guys with who could have legitimate star power if they were used well and used correctly. And I don't neither of them neither of them ever got that, but both of them are yeah. big dudes. They can they can move, they can work, they can talk, they they got the look. Um Rick Boogs was, was goofy as hell, but like I don't know. I would have tuned in to watch him do just about anything. He could be a heavy metal version of the Honky Tonk Man. With those <laughs> guitar incredible. skills, he can yeah. actually play guitar, you know, and just just he comes out and wails and smashes an electric guitar over somebody's head. You know, I'm in. I'm sold. That's all I need. You know, yeah. I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. You know, um, and him and Elias, great tag team. Elias on the acoustic, him on the on the electric. It's it's beautiful, you know, yeah. and then you can you can uh, throw in uh, Top Dalla rapping over them and <laughs> throwing his massive body over top of the rope, barely. Yeah. You know, you have a super group. Yeah, I kind of like um like the when Madcap Madcap Moss got away from um, Baron Corbin and stopped being quite so dumb. Like he's actually really like decent too. He's he's clearly well trained. Again, he's got a look. He's got like you know a, a physique. He's got um, I, yeah, talking is eh, but like, um, he's somebody else. So, um, any bets on which of these guys show up in AEW first? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming top dollar is going to be the first one that shows up over there. And then, uh, Shelton Benjamin would be incredible as well as Rick Boogs. I don't know if Dolph will just hang it up at this point. He's getting up there. Yeah. But I, 
I could see Dolph just like I could see Dolph Ziggler showing up in NWA, maybe like something over there, something a little bit more old school, you know. Yeah, um, I could see him doing something like that. I, I think he would be a good fit over there. He he would make a great run against EC3, who is the NWA champion right now. So, um, so Dolph is he was born in 1980, so he's what is that 40, 43, same age as me. Yeah. Um. Well, his brother is already over in AEW. Ryan. Um. Although, mm. didn't he just did he just get? I'm not I think sure. He just got cut. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I would. You know. Honestly, I would like to see him help with actual training of some of those guys. Mm-hmm. He'd be amazing at that. Shelton Benjamin would be amazing at that. Um. That kind of like experience that they could really, really use over there. Get people to stop trying to fucking kill themselves in the ring every week. Except for then they would just watch Shelton Benjamin's Money in the Bank matches and have heart attacks. Like <laughs> that's that's what happens. Yeah, that guy's incredible. Anyway, well, we're you know these things happen. It's a business. We're sorry to see those guys kind of get the get the shaft. Hopefully, some of them land on their feet. Uh, oh, I hope all of them. I hope all of them yeah. land on their feet and turn up in in something. Yeah. Uh, or they would be cool if they showed up in that OVW thing that's happening on Netflix. I I yeah. watched, I mainlined that damn thing. Did you watch um, the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. Oh wow! They can call it a documentary all they want, but that is a setup for a reality show. There's no yeah. doubt, no doubt yeah. in my mind that there's they're going to try and get a second season out of it, or Netflix is running it as a pilot for possibly carrying it as their own wrestling promotion. We couldn't get much TV down in the. The Caribbean, the the signal was very unreliable, but they did have the, like the hotel TV had the Netflix thing, mm. so um, we put that on and watched I don't know two or three episodes of it. Um, we had to kind of like break it into chunks because it's a little bit depressing, honestly. It's Some um, of it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a lot of like you know like a lot of the business. I think it's a lot of folks who are, um, a little bit naive or maybe in denial about what their actual top potential is. Yeah, but Al Snow is like a legitimately good human being. It is very clear that he is doing doing the good good job, the good work there. He's trying to make sure people know what they're doing, that they do it safely, that they are learning as they go. He seems like he like listens to people. I don't know. That guy is is legit. I know you can. I don't know what his what his deal is, um, but uh, I I came away from the first few episodes anyway with with an even deeper respect for him than I already had. Yeah, so if folks, if you haven't if you haven't sat down and watched that, it's it's a good watch, even if you're not necessarily one hundred percent the wrestling fan. Um, it's a it's fascinating character studies of if anything that's happening, mm-hmm. of everybody that has these uh, eyes on the prize and and goals set high. Also, if you're a fan of uh, Jesse from Big Brother, he is he shows up in there, Mr. Pectacular. Um, oh, that's him. <laughs> that's him. He was on Big Brother nice. and is one of the most obnoxious people to ever appear on Big Brother. Uh, so obnoxious that they've brought him back and used him for punishments in other seasons to, to contestants on Big Brother. Oh, wow. So, yeah, if you're a Big Brother fan, too. You can you can check out see what he's up to because you know he did briefly have a WWE contract like a, some of these folks did and then yeah. so also it's a it's it's a good glimpse into how the territories used to work because yeah. it still kind of runs like one and that's yeah. that's a fascinating look into it. The thing that uh, I don't want to get caught up on this and go off on a tangent, but the thing that that was really interesting to me is like Al Snow is 
convinced that if they just do quality TV week in and week out, you know, the audience will follow. Um, and that's that's the part where to me where he he's the one that, that felt a little bit naive in that regard. Mm-hmm. And I get where he's coming from, right? He was there. He was there in like the glory days of of, uh, of Raw and the Attitude and all that stuff. And like that was how the business worked. You know, the weekly TV drove everything else. Um, and uh, but you know, so he's he's absolutely convinced. And so they put all this money into the production, and um, you know, and then you know, and then like I think I told you, they sold what did they sell like fifty pay per views, seventy pay per views. Yeah, they, to the first one that they did there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a scene early on where they're like, okay, we have to sell five hundred pay per views to break even, and then the final total is like seventy. You're like, oh Jesus, <laughs> that just that hurts. <laughs> the thing that gets revealed, I don't know if they got to it while in the first couple that you've watched, but they eventually reveal that in a very brief segment on the show that the the wrestling program is airing weekly on a cr- local christian network. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> well, what do you think? What do you how, what do you think that is going to do? You're already in running in the freaking boondocks in the middle of nowhere and yeah. you think people are tuning into that christian network like <laughs> the netflix show is where it's at. That's why I'm saying like this this is something that netflix is trying to do. Netflix is either going to pick this up as and run with it as their wrestling promotion, or they're going to turn this into a reality show, which mm-hmm. is going to be really weird to watch a script, watch a reality show about a scripted sport. <laughs> right. Like yeah. it's a fascinating, it's got me hooked. I'm fascinated about it. And like, I want to see what's going to happen to cash flow. That guy, that guy's legit. Yeah, that guy is. That's another guy that actually seems like a decent dude and seems like he knows what he's doing. And then there's the one guy that constantly, when they're interviewing him, he's leaning out the window of his uh, Toyota Corolla, <laughs> his like 2005 Toyota Corolla. I only know the specific year because I own the exact same car. Why? Yeah, what is with that? I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't understand why he was doing that. But, I mean, it's a heck of a look for photography and stuff. It's fun lighting, interesting lighting and stuff. But, like, yeah, the so dude's funny. kind of weird, too. So, he's out there. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, speaking of uh, live wrestling, you you got to go to a, a indie show not too long ago. I did. So, I went to the American Legion Post 109. And Hell, yeah. Beautiful Arbutus, Maryland, the Dewey Loman uh, post. And uh, the pay your dues wrestling was was putting on a, a show there in honor of a guy that had died here a couple months ago uh 21 years old died in a motorcycle accident very sad very tragic story and his family was there and it was like a fundraiser to help them and stuff like that and it was a good event good time good reason to be there and one of the one of the big things that actually drew me there so initially what got my, my dad showed me the flyer cause he's now a member of the sons of the American Legion. Hmm. And I was like, okay, well that's interesting. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's dirty money on, <laughs> on this poster. Nice. Uh, I recognize him from VCW. I like that guy a lot. He's cool. Yeah. And so, uh, I looked them up and then realized that dirty money is their champion. He's their, he's their top dog. Oh, that's crazy. So that's exciting. So I'm like, well, now I definitely got to go. And then they advertised that Tony Atlas, Mr. USA, was going to be there. Hell like, yeah. Well, now, 
now I definitely got to be there. So I got my picture with with Tony Atlas and an autograph added to my binder of autographs. And uh, he was super cool, super chill. Uh, he cut a massive promo during at intermission, which was uh, started off like you know talking a little smack and then talking about like uh, people need to learn what they're doing. And then suddenly it was we was talking about praising the police and the veterans and uh uh, that we need to be nicer to each other and we need to find god and uh, oh wow yeah like like five minutes but like he cut it all as a promo it wasn't Hmm. just like he just like dropped character and started talking normal like it just he stayed in that let me tell you something let me tell you what this country needs let me tell you what every single one of you need because you are gonna learn like <laughs> like he is That's cutting weird. a promo on us this is this is awesome and like, what like, did i do <laughs> right i gave you 40 bucks why are you yelling at me like i didn't do nothing <laughs> uh so yeah the the show had some weird booking some weird issues they didn't have a real bell they were using a sound effect which was late <laughs> frequently and in, in one point even for dirty money's match they didn't hit it and so like the guys just kept circling in the ring and dirty money kept like signaling to his ear towards the dj like come on we can't fight without the bell you gotta and then finally the bell rang and they went at it so and everybody laughed and stuff like that but it's funny it's kind of embarrassing like go to fucking dick sports and buy yourself a (laughs) boxing bell and you know you're putting on a wrestling show this is not their first wrestling show either so yeah what are you doing? You go get a little like uh, ring bell for service bell or uh, get a freaking bicycle bell, something, just something so that we know the match is starting. Uh, yeah, but it had a lot funny. of those, a lot of those uh, uh, obvious indie things to where like they would, they wouldn't announce the guy and then there'd be awkward silence and then the music would start and then he would come out and then they would announce him like, you're not, who do you think you are? Nobody recognizes your music. Nobody like, <laughs> You're not CM Punk that the moment they hear living in living color, like yeah. hit the cult of personality or like the bell chime of the undertaker. Like you're not that just like That's have right. them announce your name, play whatever little music you want to have them play. Like just, just do it. Uh, their ring announcer though was on, on, on point. He was great. Excellent. Great job working the crowd and stuff like that. He could have a future, but yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Good two and a half hours of wrestling there was a guy with a really cool ass led like kind of like dead mouse helmet that he wore to the ring he said it was from the future his name was techno <laughs> he did nice. a lot of lucha libre style he weighed about 150 pounds i got my picture taken with him i was a foot and a half taller than him and That's triple funny. his weight so you know i've i've had morning bowel movements bigger than that guy so <laughs> Uh, but he was excellent in the ring. My biggest beef with the whole thing was that almost every single match, the bad guy won. Really? So this is supposed to be like a feel good, like fundraiser thing. And like every match ended with like, boo, (laughs) no, boo, that guy, boo, that Uh, guy sucks, boo. Like, you know, and then there was a guy in front of me, um, that I, I think he had autism or some other neurodivergent thing going on for him. Uh-huh. Um, 
that was just like getting in the face of every single wrestler, like to the point of like unnerving them. Like he could talk better than them. It was <laughs> insane. It was freaking insane. He was a better show sometimes than what was happening in, in the like actual show. Hilarious. And then uh, talking to him a couple times, like the dude was a walking encyclopedia. You called me a wrestling encyclopedia. No, 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 no. This guy knew like the names of the referees in Japan, Japanese wrestling from the eighties. Like Good God, right, right. Uh, <laughs> it was insane. And like at one point, he was screaming that like at one guy that like Antonio Inoki is better than you. Like, duh. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, I should fucking hope so. <laughs> I know. And like there was one big guy that was like kind of like a look like a crossbreed of one man gang and big boss man and boy. He was not letting that guy go. Oh, that's man. too funny. So, anyways, it was a good time, good show, and if they put on another show and have another another uh, draw of a guy like Tony Atlas, I'd I'd probably be game because it was also nice at the American Legion. It was a pretty good venue for them. So yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't beat uh, indie wrestling crowds. You know, we've talked about that guy at all the VCW shows who shows up a little tiny megaphone. Yeah, and just heckles uh, Logan Easton Leroux. He just, the entire time, Logan's Logan, out. He doesn't do this to anybody else. When Logan's out there, he's like, you suck, you suck, Logan. Hey, Logan, you suck. Like, on the megaphone. Like, just <laughs> for and as it, long as the match lasts. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's it's real, he's really subtle with it, too. Like, he's yeah. not, like, screaming it. He's just like, <laughs> Logan, you suck. <laughs> you suck, Logan. You suck, Logan. Logan, you suck. Just like, and, like, he's just sitting there with, like, his legs crossed, all chill, yeah. and just like, Logan, you suck. He's here with his wife. They're just having a good time. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you got a chance to go to that. I'm glad you got yeah. a chance to see Dirty Money. Um, we talked to him the last time he uh, went to the VCW show here at the Masonic Temple. Oh, no, it was at Hampton High School, actually. I talked to him. And um, I'm going to see if he can we can get yeah. him on the show here because he's yeah, really I cool. talked to him. He remembered me, and he oh, remembered good. you. So Good. Yeah. He's so like, yeah, that guy fucking harasses me every time I see him at the... That's actually what I said to him. It's like... <laughs> You've probably been stalked by my friend Tim. And uh, he's like, well, I know Tim. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, hey, whatever. Yeah. We're connected on the socials as well. So it's yeah. not just, it's not my, it's not like, it's not like I'm showing up at his house yet. No, not yet. Anyway. So, all right. So should we, uh, I feel like we should probably talk about WrestleMania before it gets too much later and we all fall asleep. Yeah, we should talk about WrestleMania 29 because, I mean, I felt that we should do this like almost immediately after the WrestleMania 28 show just because they are like sister WrestleManias. Like, yeah, it could almost be like you could take this WrestleMania and make it WrestleMania 40 and just <laughs> WrestleMania 28 would be Saturday night. And WrestleMania 29 would be Sunday night. You just yeah. need to find a, another main event. It's uh, WrestleMania 29, April 7th, 2013 from MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. So that's out in the, the Meadowlands. So it's sort of billed as a New York slash New Jersey show, but it's it's definitely in New Jersey. Um, the attendance was, so this is kind of interesting. So the actual attendance from what I can tell is about 74,300 with a paid attendance of around 68,000. But when they announce it in the middle of the show, it's 80,676, which is not at all accurate or true fascinating um, 
Yeah, right? They've always inflated their numbers, you know, and there's there's a lot of dispute about WrestleMania 3 and how many they fit in the soup in the Silver Dome and blah blah blah. Um but this is one of the first where the Wikipedia page kind of goes on at length about <laughs> the difference mm-hmm. between them. Uh and the pay-per-view buys on this were 1 million and 48,000. So it was a really big one. Um says it's the third highest attended event in the history of WWE after WrestleMania 32 and WrestleMania 3. Um, but that's based on the 80,676 number. So I'm not sure actually how they shake out if you go with the actual numbers. Um, and it's the highest grossing live event in WWE history with a gross of 72 million. So it made a shit ton of money. Yeah, I'm sure with it being in New York, they had, they, you know, just New York in general charges more money. And then they're probably taking money off of the parking. They're taking money yeah. off of the merch sales, obviously. Yeah. You might be getting a little bit of the concession kickback. Uh, they might have even gotten like money from. New Jersey to still hold the damn thing there because this is, as we're told ad nauseum, that this is eight months after. Yeah. After Sandy. Superstorm Sandy. It was post tropical. It was no longer a hurricane. So they have to call it Superstorm Sandy. I was, I was not aware. Um, I mean, I saw it's got a lot of pay per view buys. So this was, you know, there was a big draw for the Rock and Cena. So that definitely contributed to the event. Um, the gross as well, I would imagine. So, uh, commentary on this one is Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, and uh, JBL Bradshaw. Um, so it's you know it's a pretty modern feeling uh, WrestleMania, I'd say. Very yeah. Similar to the last couple we've watched. Um, do you have anything background wise, history, context that you want to talk about for this one? Well, you know the the only thing that I would talk about really is that we had. In the previous episode, we talked about how there's kind of a power vacuum happening mm-hmm. at the at the top of the card for WWE, and some of the names that we mentioned. But like one name that we did mention was uh, Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. and so the night after WrestleMania 28, Brock Lesnar shows up out of nowhere on Monday Night Raw, and beats the crap out of John Cena. So him and <laughs> Cena have a little thinger thinger going. Uh, they go round and round and round, and then. Uh, you have, eventually he gets mixed, Brock Lesnar gets mixed up with Triple H and we can, you know, we'll get to that, uh, when we talk about that. But, uh, other than that, you know, and that kind of like pulled Cena away from being engaged with the rock. Uh, mm-hmm. and so the rock shows up at, uh, I think it was the Royal Rumble where rock beats, um, CM Punk to take the title from him. And then of course, of course, Cena wins the Royal Rumble that night. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, so, gee, I wonder what the WrestleMania main event's going to be. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's basically it. The only other thing was that, uh, based around this event, this was f- the most, most northern outdoor event WWE had done with this hmm. kind of thing. And... Uh, if you've never been to New York in early April, it's cold. <laughs> it is not warm. So it is about 55 degrees when the event starts drizzling and the temperature is dropping. Um, and so if you watch carefully during this event, a couple of the camera angles, you can see heaters over top of the ring. 
Uh-huh. Hmm. And there's vents in the ring posts. I don't know if you noticed that during the event. There, there's like vents, like oh. a series of holes drilled into the ring posts. I, I've read that there was also heaters under the ring as well, hmm. and possibly those were venting out. And so it would also make sense because the ring posts also play almost no role in in the in any mm. of the matches which you know they'd probably get burned if they touched them uh and they didn't have like any kind of cameras or anything like that on top of them which at this point they had started doing so uh, interesting i suspect that the ring posts were also being used to ventilate heat and blow heat into the ring as well just because you know those dudes they need to sweat when yeah. doing this because otherwise they'll die yeah. Uh, or, you know, their body will go into like weird hypothermia, uh, cause you know, they're not going to wrestle in sweatpants and sweatshirts, you know, that no one wants to watch that. You got to see the rock <laughs> all oiled up and, and in his underwear. That's, yeah. that's why well, we're there. During the, uh, Undertaker match, I, t- I took note of a sign in the crowd that says, I am cold. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is. Everybody's fucking cold. So that guy was prepared. He was. He was. He knew he was going to be cold. He brought the sign and he broke it out. Yeah. Close so to there, the end. Yeah. So there was controversy about WWE when they announced that this WrestleMania would be in New York. People were like, "Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Like, come on, Vince. You're from this area. You know what April's like. Yeah. What are you doing? So there was there was questions, but you know they still pulled off a heck of a good show. Um, it's almost like they wanted to test themselves. It feels like so. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe. Um, so maybe the crowd started at like eighty thousand six seventy six, and like six thousand people died of hypothermia, and then that's it's you get possible. The final, you get the final count. It's possible they had um, they had some beers and and then mixed it with hot chocolate and yeah, fucking messed up their bodies and they all rolled out, passed out. So there's a pre-show of this one that we don't see, and that uh, Miz defeated the Intercontinental Champion Wade Barrett to take that title, uh, and then we start the actual show. There's a very overwrought opening about Superstorm Sandy. Chris Christie's fat voice is talking about that on the voiceover, and then it ends with a, "This is WrestleMania," and then we still have to sit through the WrestleMania announcer overwrought thing about the showcase of the immortals and the champions and the this is wrestlemania bit um, though they changed it they changed the announcer it's been, it had been um i can't remember his name now it wasn't ernie hudson um but the guy that always looks and sounds like ernie hudson but i think this one was yeah i know this one was done i think by ian mcshane the uh, sound i think that was oh, ian yeah. mcshane's voice doing it um which definitely was like well i like ian mcshane yeah. So I kind of was like, I'm okay with this. I could have gone without the, the, the superstar Sandy bull crap that was happening there just because it's like, hey, yeah, okay. Everybody, you know, people lost their vacation homes and people that had normal houses, they got flooded basements. I'm, I understand. I, <laughs> I own a house. I can't imagine that having to deal with that, but, uh, that was eight months ago. And uh, it's not 9-11. Yeah. Stop trying to make it like 9-11. We don't need New York tough and New Jersey strong shit, you know. You know, I would believe it that it was really bad if you also got Bruce Springsteen to be here to do this. Like, then, <laughs> then, okay, the boss is there. This yeah. was bad. 
Chris Christie, it's yeah. New, Jer- New Jersey strong. They couldn't I'm even close the bridge and screw <laughs> over New York. They couldn't even get John Bon Jovi, you know, like no. he's like he's like your second tier disaster. You yeah. know, Bruce Bruce doesn't Bruce is like, yeah, you know, this isn't quite enough. And you could get Bon Jovi, but no, nothing. We get Chris Christie. Yeah, actually when it opened, I'm like, they're gonna do a nine eleven thing right now? I'm like, 'cause this is this is a little this is twelve years and then I realized what was going on and I was I was still kinda confused. So anyway. Yeah. But uh, so we get we do kind of get to jump right into the action, which is nice. Yes. Um, there's a six man tag. Uh, so on one side we've got uh, the Shield, which is Dean Ambrose, aka John Moxley these days, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins uh, versus the Big Show, Randy Orton and Sheamus. Um, and Welcome to WrestleMania, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Dean yeah, Ambrose. Oh, first man. ones, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, it bothers me that the shield was allowed to wear body armor. I still don't understand it. Yeah, uh, Roman Reigns still wears body armor sometimes. Yeah, uh, doesn't seem fair. Uh, no, doesn't seem fair at all. <laughs> so it's interesting. Two out of these six uh, are in AEW now, and four out of the six are still, well, maybe Randy Orton, uh, but for the most part, still in WWE. Yeah, ten, 10 years later, so that's really interesting. And having incredible runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like this match, but there still wasn't much to note on it. Um, Michael Cole does not shut up, which is nothing new. Um, I don't like Seth Rollins having that blonde hair thing. That was like kind of douchey looking. I don't mm-hmm. like it. And I kind of like the heat that was happening between Seamus, Randy Orton, uh, against Big Show, like Big Show, like kind of forced his way into the match, and then he ends up costing him the match. And yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was some good storytelling happening in this match. And you know, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Dean Ambrose looked ready for the show too. So yeah, um, it was a good opener. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I did like when the the Big Show rips off Dean Ambrose's like vest and just chops the shit out of him. That that made yeah. me feel good. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and then, of course, uh, they, the guys turn on each other after the match, Big Show, and lays out both Randy and uh, and Sheamus. So, uh, yeah, decent start. Um, we get a video camp of the Roxena feud after that that seems to last, like, four days. Uh, yeah. I think the last Fast and the Furious movie was actually shorter than that video recap. Um, yeah, yeah, um, I... I actually this it's after the first match and I already wrote more filler bullshit because <laughs> I mean we had all that stuff with with like it took forever to get to this match and they didn't even do a lot of the WrestleMania traditional stuff like there was no America the Beautiful to yeah. kick this show off it was a very weird start to the show and we had one match and now we're getting the summary for the main event. Um, I did yeah. enjoy that they blamed The Rock for the for John Cena's divorce. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. Yeah. I had to actually look up the whole story about the John Cena's divorce because um, I, I, I had zero memory of that at all. Um, so the other thing that I think is new to this one is the pre-show like buy-in with the panel and stuff. I think this yeah. is the first time that they've done that. So like to an extent... There's a lot, a lot of the, just sort of the pre, 
whatever pre-show shenanigans are out of the way already this is wwe now out of the shadows of like the wcw merger and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. their their biggest comparison at this point is going to be like with the nfl and more quote unquote legitimate sports so what do they got to do they got to they got to make their product look like that and so Mm -hmm. they're back to trying to make it look legit having a pre-show talking who they think's going to win who they think's going to lose what's the strategy blah 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 like yeah come on man you know and this is <laughs> this is where so this is where WWE starts rebuilding kayfabe like WWE at this point now has completely reinvigorated kayfabe and they've built it in such a way that it's impenetrable by the internet and mm-hmm. social media because it's all part of it. And if anything happens in that's public in a wrestler's life, that's happened to their character. Yeah. So you, and so case in point, John Cena's divorce gets dragged in to the storyline <laughs> that like he lost to the rock and he couldn't bring himself back together. He couldn't let it go yeah. to the point to where what's her name? Nikki Bella. Was it Nikki Bella that he was married to? Uh, was no, the, it was a, it, it was, was a his high one. school. It was his high school girlfriend. Oh. Her name was Elizabeth, I believe, Liz, um, and there were allegations of cheating, and mm. uh, and they split up in 2012, so the year before this, and then in 2018, this is this is all my this is my extracurricular reading. Uh, in 2018, he was engaged to Nikki Bella, and they mm. had a wedding date set and everything, and then he broke it off, um, and then he got married again uh, a couple years after that, and he's still married to that woman apparently. So, well, you know, they're they're just setting up their everything that's real is getting pulled. In. We see that later in this show too with uh, mm-hmm. William Moody, aka Paul Bearer. His death is the main drive of his of his storyline with CM Punk. So yeah. like they're doing, they're setting this up to where it you can't. They've they've completely reestablished kayfabe, but in such a way that it's drawing in real events and real things and it doesn't matter now what gets broken on the internet in the rumor mill and stuff like that because it can it's all all in there and so just like how we were talking about those releases earlier yep some of them might not have been real some of them might be real but then they'll show right back up like bronson reed or or uh, some other some of the other ones that they did they released them and then like a week later they're back under contract in wwe this is the start of that crap happening it's interesting. It's sort of like going around the bend, right? It's like we've we've all gone through the Attitude Era, and like there's been sort of full throated recognition that this is not a sport, and this is all entertainment, and this is all a big big show, right? And then, like you said, ten years later, they're like, well, you know, it's it's kind of like a sport, and we don't know what's going to happen, and you can well, and now ten years after that, you're like, you can gamble on it too. That's how that's how. That's how legit of a sport it is. You can gamble on it. I'm right? so angry that sports betting involves professional wrestling. <laughs> you have to be a fucking clown to bet on professional wrestling. You have Absolutely. to have a serious gambling problem. And I, you know, if you have that problem, like call somebody. If you're looking at those DraftKings and sports, whatever princes or whatever the fuck those sites are called, and you're like, you know, I should bet on the results of the Royal Rumble. Just, just please call one of those phone numbers give your wife the credit card like just don't make any more financial decisions this lifetime i already have a thousand dollars on cody rhodes beating roman reigns at <laughs> wrestlemania 40 we'll talk after this i'll, I'll get you we'll get you straightened out 
Well, anyway, there's another match here. Uh, Mark Henry versus Ryback, a.k.a. two sides of beef smashing into each other at full speed. Yeah, two meaty men slapping meat. That's... <laughs> Yeah, Mark Henry, of course, now over in AEW as a sometime commentator. He he does about Terrible. 12 seconds worth of commentary on Rampage every week. And now the main event. Yeah. Good job, Mark Henry. And Ryback, of course, has, has completely lost his damn mind and spouts all kinds of crazy shit on the internet. Yeah. Um, but at the time, he was kind of a big deal. I always liked Mark Henry. He never quite got the the big WrestleMania push that he really deserved in no. his day. I mean, here he is. This is like 15 years after his WWE debut. Yeah. <laughs> At least. He's past I mean, his sell-by date here. Yeah, yeah. The only notes I took on this was big slows. They're boring. Uh, Ryback's gear looks like Reptile from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and uh, Michael Cole used the line, meat hook clothesline. Yeah. <laughs> which, like, I like that. That's actually, it's in the... Uh, Wikipedia recap of the match too, so that must have been what was actually called a meat hook clothesline. Mm. Doesn't make any sense. Um, okay. There's some um, there's some good moves here. There's a really f- like impressive running power slam from Mark Henry. Yeah. Um, they Ryback picks Henry up on his shoulders like twice, just like it's <sighs> yeah, like it's a sack of potatoes, and he just walks around the ring with him a couple times too. Um, his shtick is just lame, like to the extreme, like yeah. the feed me more thing. I, I just, it's cringy even then, even before feed he lost his damn me mind. See more. <laughs> feed me all night long. Yeah. It's gotta be blood. Anyway. Lame. Did I tell uh, you? Did I tell you the last time we went to the shore? We went to karaoke. Somebody sang the "Suddenly Seymour" song from. Nice. It was incredible. He did so great. <laughs> I was. I almost cried. It was such a good song. Anyway. It's different. Uh, Ryback loses that match because he picks up Mark Henry to do the finisher thingy that that he does again. But Henry held the ropes and uh, Ryback collapses under Mark Henry's weight and gets pinned. (laughs) That is the finish. And it kind of is a fitting finish for these two guys. So I kind of liked it. Yeah. The announcers are playing with the Mattel Power Slammers toys and um, (laughs) like a little bit of cross promotion. Speaking of cross promotion. Yeah. And Bradshaw is just like taking his and like smacking them like they're like he's a monkey. Like, yeah, it reminded me of uh, the scene in Zoolander where they're trying to get the computer open. He's just like, <laughs> it, it's a very uh, 2001 Space Odyssey <laughs> opening, like tool discovered tools, and then and then they feed right into a video that WWE has partnered with the Special Olympics. Right. <laughs> oh, too soon. Too soon. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then this is this is the moment that I was like, oh my god, Chris Christie is a complete tool. Do you know why I I I I, I thought that? Why would um, I'm trying to think what happened? I didn't write anything down. Was it during the Special Olympics? Um, uh, thing? So they bring him out with the National Guard and stuff like yeah. that out onto the stage, right? Yeah. Chris Christie is wearing a bright yellow University of Delaware sweatshirt. Oh. <laughs> fucking idiot (laughs) you're the governor of new jersey representing new jersey at the biggest wrestling event in the year in new jersey that is recovering from superstorm sandy and you don't wear a rutgers sweatshirt if you're going to wear a college sweatshirt you're not going to wear rutgers you're going to wear the university of delaware god what a moron (laughs) 
He must have gone there. I guess. I'll look it up while we're talking. Um, oh my god! I don't so, want to know that much about Chris Christie, honestly. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't believe it. Like I, I was like, oh, God, oh, <laughs> come on, man! Don't you have someone that dresses you, or like yeah. an assistant, or something that goes, sir? Maybe you should wear this Rutgers sweatshirt, yeah. or maybe you should just not wear a college sweatshirt. <laughs> just wear. Wear a fucking Wildwood t-shirt. Something. Yeah. Seaside Heights. A Bruce Springsteen concert t-shirt. Or just a I Survive Superstorm Sandy and all I got was this stupid t-shirt shirt. Like, I don't know what to do. That'd be pretty good, actually. I would like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. What an ass clown. Yeah. Anyways, we can we can move on from that. I didn't. I don't know why I didn't catch that. I should have caught that. Um, so the next one up is a is a tag team match for the WWE Tag Team Championship. So it's Team Hell No on one side, and that's Daniel Bryan and Kane versus Big E and Dolph Ziggler. Speaking of Mister Ziggler, with AJ Lee. Um, so first of all, Big E doesn't have any facial hair here, and he looks like a giant baby, a giant smooth he baby. He does. <laughs> a giant, terrifying, <laughs> muscle-bound. Muscle-bound baby. Ridiculously strong baby, like baby with baby strength. And this is his first WrestleMania. This is his first hmm. match in WWE, apparently. Are you serious? Holy shit. Yeah, so this is his actual like in ring debut. Like he had wow. he had been like Dolph Ziggler's like handler, like muscle guy on the outside, and he's mm-hmm. gotten involved in things. But this is the first time to where like he is legitimately in the match and squaring up. So interesting. Well, there's yeah. another one of those in the next match, so that's a that's an inch fascinating coincidence. Yeah. Um Michael Cole breaks out the useless stats here. He tells us that uh, returning champions have a 53% chance of winning at WrestleMania. You can take that to your DraftKings. Which is basically 50-50. That's within the margin of error. Um, Also, yeah. So, But, you know, again, though, like pre-show, talking it up like it's, you know, like the kind of thing that... uh, Yeah. um, Whatever his name, Al Michaels or whatever, would give you on uh, Sunday Night Football. Yep. Well, you know, the home team is favored by four and a half points when it's a Sunday. Well, anyway. Yeah, and this is uh, where uh, they, they do a callback to WrestleMania 28 here to where um, AJ is kissing uh, Dolph Ziggler. Right. And right as he turns around, Daniel Bryan lands a sucker kick right to his face and uh, almost gets the three count, but not quite. Um, they can't let that happen in this match, so. Yeah, because uh, what AJ was as his was Daniel Bryan's supposed girlfriend before that. Yeah, that yeah, right? yeah. So um, she's attached to Dolph. Uh, I mean, Dolph's much better looking. I gotta say, he doesn't quite look as homeless. <laughs> so that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, this is peak homeless Daniel Bryan too. By the yeah. way, like this is just yeah shaggy, haven't shaved in forever. He's almost at David Letterman levels. <laughs> Uh, Brian gets the win with a flying headbutt. I didn't write anything else down. I didn't care. Uh, the only th- other thing that I, I wrote down is that Kane was selling his ass off to Big E and really making Big E look great in his first WWE match on the air. So good job, Kane. Uh, I don't like you but <laughs> as a person, but good luck. <laughs> Thank you for making Big E look great and giving Big E the chance to get his neck broken on SmackDown doing a useless spot. 
Thank you. Congratulations. Um, the next one is, yeah, another guy who has not wrestled, and this is his first match. He's been talking a lot at, at Chris Jericho, and that is Fandango. Fandango. <sighs> and uh, so we get a long recap of their feud. Uh, the, I did enjoy that um, Jericho kept like messing up his name on purpose. Yes. Uh, and there's like a like a bunch of, like a, a super cut of all of the times that he messed up his name, which cracked me up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Fandango comes down with a bunch of salsa dancers in a very Razor Ramon wannabe act. It just, it just doesn't work. Just not yeah. working. Um, I mean, Scott Hall wasn't Latino either, and neither is Fandango. Big surprise. Fandango's not Latino, but he actually even claims to actually have Cherokee heritage, uh, hmm. just like everybody does. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is it's so weird to see Jericho already trying to put over young talent at this point when it's like yeah. ten years prior to what he's doing now. So uh, maybe Jericho should have should have uh, taken taken the cue, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. So this is you know thirteen years after his WWE debut. Right, he debuted in Y two J. And he was in WCW, what, I don't know, two or three years before that? Longer? Uh, at least. Um, and uh, so, yeah, this is this is kind of like, it seems like he's been around forever at this point, but it's kind of like mid, mid-career because he's still got <laughs> ten goddamn years to go. Yeah. Um, he looks all right. He's, he's, yeah. uh, his uh, chest muscles and stuff are all where they're supposed to be, um, not sliding yeah. south. Uh, he gets busted open pretty early on. I didn't see how it happened, though. I assume it was like on a on a post or something. Yeah. I don't think it was intentional. So yeah. didn't look intentional to me. Most likely Fandango being sloppy. Cause you know, he sucked. He sucked. <laughs> He's terrible. Get the fuck out of the ring. Uh, he never wrestled before. There's a sign that says if Fandango actually wrestles, we riot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's some good signs at this one. Uh, yeah. So there's some fun ones. Well, yeah. so, so Fandango again, fucking things up. He goes with that uh, big leg drop off the top rope, and the first time he does it, he actually sort of drops his leg across Jericho's face. I don't know if you caught that. He's mm-hmm. didn't look really, didn't look great. Um, no, so it's not even. It, it doesn't even look like these guys have been working like house shows together or anything no. like that. Like this was, they have not worked together at all yet. So. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of miscues. Jericho completely whiffs on the lion salt to end the thing. Yeah. Um, and then his knee, quote unquote, gives out while he's going for the walls of Jericho. And Fandango kind of reaches up and does like a tricky roll up thing for the win, which was a little bit clever, but also again, kinda kind of a mess. Fandango. Fandango. Anyway. Goodbye, on. Fandango. Goodbye, Fandango. We hardly knew you. There's the recap of the pre-show and of Miz defeating Barrett for the Intercontinental Belt. We missed, and then here comes one of the one of the title belts. This is actually I, I enjoyed this one. Um, this is well, we we got to talk about something else here. What did I miss? Because what we're coming up now is there's this weird video package title that's showing like the title history in the stadium, but they're not actually showing it on the screen that we can oh. see very well. And they're playing uh, "Going the Distance" from Rocky. <laughs> Uh, during it and then mm. diddy comes out and starts rapping over i'm coming out by diana ross i thought that was later did you miss the diddy concert and this and then like they don't like have any lights happening though yeah. so like you can't really see diddy very well it's like the worst lit concert ever <laughs> uh and then he does i'm coming home with skylar gray 
and then they they remind us that Diddy is the WWE's global ambassador for anti-bullying. Oh. Okay. I don't know why they would pick Diddy, but more cross-promotion, more tying together, hiring Diddy for an anti-bullying thing would be a huge tax write-off, I'd imagine. Mm. Uh, so, Okay. <laughs> That is a thing that happened on this program. Yeah, I mean, I like I like the songs that Diddy did. They were yeah, great. It was I nice. Too. Um, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, he's a very New York, New Jersey guy, right? Like, is he? Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> all I remember is that one show of uh, that one reality show of his, where he made the um, whatever the the contestants like walk to Brooklyn to get these donuts oh, yeah. that he liked. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. So anyway, yeah, I just wrote time for Puffy to rap, but I guess, but I'm not sure why. So anyway, all right. So now we get to the um, I don't know. So this is this is a fascinating thing. Like there's this is a this is a PhD dissertation waiting to be written. Um, so on the one side you've got the uh, <laughs> you've got Alberto Del Rio uh, with Ricardo Rodriguez. On the other side you've got Jack Swagger, the All American American, with Zeb Coulter. Uh, this is a World Heavyweight Championship match. So if you don't remember this, and this this is one that I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to wrestling during this time, but this is one of those things that I just happened to catch, and I'm like, this is this is This fucking. was a blink-and-you-miss-it moment in yeah. pro wrestling, too. Yeah, but it was so, like, politically tuned in, and, of course, you know, an over-the-top wrestling carny kind of way, um, you know, so, so Zeb Coulter, who is uh Dutch Mantel, um, his gimmick is he's, he's like a tea party guy. So if you don't remember this, if you're a little too young, when, when Obama was president, uh, all of a sudden there were a bunch of white uh, right wingers who were, um, all of a sudden very concerned about government spending and, and taxes. They didn't have any problem with this with when there were white uh, Republicans in office, of course, but when there was a black president all of a sudden, and so they, they called themselves the Tea Party. They had the Gadsden flags with the no step on snack. Uh, they they just did a bunch of jump dumb shit, and we're still sort of dealing with their um, the remnants of them, and they're kind of morphing into the the Matt Gates and the Boberts and the whatever the in uh, in Congress today. Um, so, but another part of what they're their spiel was 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 a very sort of xenophobic kind of racist anti-immigration uh line and that's that's what a lot of what zeb culture is all about but he he kind of takes it and and like he talks about people speaking yiddish (laughs) yeah so he gets anti-semitic he also mentions that there's people sneaking across the border speaking italian italian yeah (laughs) whenever someone says italian like that they're racist. Yeah, they're I'm just telling racist. you right now. There's, yeah. they believe that Italian people are a totally different race, just like they believe that about Irish people. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he's not even just like concerned about uh, uh, Mexicans and Latin American folks coming across the border, uh, but he's concerned about Italian folks sneaking in from Mexico. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, no concern about the Canadians coming. No, down. no, um, he's worried about anybody and. and coming into the country basically so anyway so when you watch this now it's like did this guy basically create not create but like did he pave the way for uh donald trump because basically the the promo that he cuts here is not that far removed from the thing that 
um, Trump did when he kicked off his campaign in 2016 when he talked yeah, about just Dutch Mantel's a better public speaker. Yeah, it went, you know, if you again, if you don't remember, it's when he talked about the Mexicans coming in and they're bringing crime and they're rapists and some of them we think are good people, um, but it's it is it's pretty much the same speech, um, and so yeah, anyway, and yeah, the, the it's you know we we can't get too political, but you know it's it's interesting that you know I will say I will point out that Donald Trump is at this show. Yeah, he is backstage, as is Dutch Mantel, Deb Coulter. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very good chance that they had a little conversation, and and Donald Trump went. I think you're on to something because what's also very fascinating is that this angle is getting huge heat. It is making them a heel. And I'm just like, I'm pretty certain the McMahons might agree with Zeb Coulter to a certain extent here that like, (laughs) and then like, this might not be a gimmick for Zeb Coulter either. And then you, you investigated Dutch Mantel's Twitter and confirmed that for me. Yeah. Um, but not, he is not the most enlightened, uh, uh, guy out there. And I, I don't recommend following him. Um, but yeah. And, but like they got the whole thing down, like to the point of like weaponizing the constitution, you know, Jack Swagger's got, we, the people on his tights written across his back, you know, uh, Dutch Mantel is, is wearing a a zipper vest with a red tie. Like he's got the look. He, he, it's, it's all there. It's all there. People. It's all there. I'm black and white. Up, I'm going to call up our buddy Mark Willette, uh, who was on the show, um, and maybe this is we've been talking about whether we should write a some sort of article, kind of pulling together. You know, he does the media studies stuff. We, we talk about kayfabe quite a bit. Um, we can talk about the wrestling history, and obviously the anti-immigration thing goes back pretty much as long as there's been wrestling. You know, and you go through you go through different phases based on who's the in group or the out group. You know, and the Iron Sheik played the outsider for what, 40 years, you know, um, even though he was the most patriotic American you probably ever want to meet. Um, so it's fascinating that like, it's never considered cheap heat, right? Like insulting the city you're in, that's cheap heat, but like going after someone because they're Mexican or from China or from like the middle East or German it's legit or heat, Irish. Right? <laughs> that is legit heat. That is serious. That's an entire career. That is 25 years of in the ring singing gibberish <laughs> bullshit national anthem. That's not even real, but you uh, tell the crowd that it is yeah. and you're fucking asshole, man. Yeah, that guy sucks. Boo. Like it's so like revealing yeah. of our psyche. So you know what's what's even better about this, and this is this is the part that redeems this whole angle for me, is that the face here is a Mexican wrestler. He's a guy who competed in the Mexican Olympic team in the Greco-Roman style. Yeah. And it's Al- Alberto Del Rio. He is sort of unapologetically um, Latino. Um, he, He's the nephew of Mil Mascaras. Yeah, he he is representing the American dream, uh, and he's he's the face thrown through it's not i mean i'm sure there were some people in the crowd who were like yeah this mexican whatever but like he is he is over over superhero he's a superhero and it's fantastic yeah Yeah. so um anyway so uh, a couple things that i noted on this match you probably have some others but the commentators um this is definitely a throwback the commentators are talking about both guys amateur wrestling backgrounds so uh hager obviously had an ncaa uh, wrestling career. Um, Del Rio was on the Mexican Olympic team for Greco-Roman. Um, so they were, they're really 
you know, going with that like the shooter kind yeah. of thing, which is which is kind of a. It's just yeah. you don't hear that too much. No, not at this point. And Del Rio is like a, they point out that he's a a medalist from the Pan American Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that, this is the the other thing that's really fascinating about this is JBL on 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 commentary. The only thing he can keep harping on is that Zeb has the First Amendment. He can say this stuff. The First Amendment protects him from, you know, and it's because JBL probably agrees with him in in real life. And he just, but he can't come out and say that. And like when you're an announcer and stuff like this, you got to be real careful. Lawler just immediately is his face. He's just a face announcer. Uh, And he's been, he's been sitting on the edge through most of the show. But this match, face right away. They know this is a hot button topic. They know they know that the whole angle of this is yeah. is uh, is very sensitive and very dangerous, especially when Zeb starts digging into the anti semitism stuff as well. Um, yeah, because eh, like you, you just <laughs> you know it gets um, dicey. It gets dicey yeah, real quick. Yeah, and like. Uh, the only only real zinger that comes out of commentary in this is that Jerry Lawler says, "I hear in Vietnam that Zeb was shot at by both sides." Um, <laughs> That's pretty good <laughs> because because part of part of Zeb's gimmick is that he's a vietnam vet yeah yeah yeah. that feels this way so like that's a whole other layer on top of this that he's he's a he's a he's a veteran but he's a veteran from a despised war and you know like a a, already a war that was a hot button topic and now here he is with with xenophobic nationalist uh populist angle uh thought and uh mm. Well, what's mm. interesting is like by 2013, the verdict was in on Vietnam, right? It's not like yeah. it's not like it's 1976 or seven, and it's still sort of fresh. And they're like, well, you know, maybe like people were people were over <laughs> Vietnam, yeah. you know, like yeah. yeah, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have been there. Sorry for the guys who were there, but like, and so anyway, yeah, no, that's um, this whole thing. It's it's got it's got layers upon layers. It's a it's a blooming onion at the Outback Steakhouse. Or whatever the American equivalent it would be, because you know we don't want no furners. No. Um, so Del Rio is really good at selling. Um, Swagger uh, is boring as fuck, even ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if he and Randy Orton wrestled, the entire arena would fall into a coma at, at one time. You wouldn't even know that there's a wrestling match happening. <laughs> um, the only thing that I did note out of like the whole action was uh there the the finish basically it was yeah. impressive reversals from the ankle lock to an arm bar back to an ankle lock and stuff like that and then out of nowhere del rio traps uh jack swagger in the in the arm bar and then he taps out it's a uh, great it's a it's a great finish for otherwise a uh, actionless match yeah um yeah there's more heat the, from the build-up than from the actual yeah uh Um, but like, and again, this is, this is for a title. This is, they've made the heavy world heavyweight title. So like secondary it's, it's, it's staggering. Uh, I did spot one amazing sign that says Punjab hates Cena. Uh, so the hate continues on John Cena. Yeah. Even on the Indian subcontinent. Yeah. Um, Michael Strahan's in the crowd. He loves it. He's having a good time. Hey, it's your it's your model, right? Yeah, is, is Gap Tooth model there for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then we get the usual uh, sort of, uh, isn't the military great? There's a partnership with the National Guard. I guess that's okay because they helped out with the hurricane or blah, blah, blah. Um, so then, uh, yeah, so so more weirdness uh, is the uh, Undertaker versus CM Punk uh, with Paul yeah. Heyman in CM Punk's corner. You get a great video package of the Undertaker yeah. and Paul Bearer's relationship, which yeah. is uh, fantastic. Um, I there's uh, Undertaker tells the stories about how Paul Bearer was like the only real manager. He booked his flights, he booked his hotels, he booked his rental cars, he drove the Undertaker around. He made it possible for the Undertaker to get in and out of the buildings and gimmick, like. He was a real legit uh, manager. Jimmy Hart wasn't doing that shit for people. Um, Bobby Heenan wasn't doing that for people. But William Moody, Percy Pringle, Paul Bearer was. Yeah. Uh, so, and you, you can tell that this is definitely troubling for Paul for uh, Undertaker uh, to to be dealing with the loss of Paul Bearer in real life, but. Also, Paul Bearer was the kind of guy that would absolutely want his death in a storyline. Hundred percent. Absolutely, you use it. Yep. Yes, of course, I'm dead. You got to use that. So. So he and I'll just point out he had died um, almost a month prior to this, so it's still yeah. fresh. Um, Undertaker made his return to uh, Raw, I believe it was in March, and then. It was like the very next night um, that Paul Bearer died, um, and so like, and then they just they just jumped. I mean, so this is you know they've had a month between his death, um, that return to Raw, and then this build up with CM Punk. So like, I mean, I know you know I know that it's a work, and they're all like, you know, friends and whatever, but they had to hurt a little bit, right? Like, just to kind of be dealing with your own grief from a guy that you worked with yeah. for so long and then have to also go out and like sell it as a, as an angle. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, and this is, this is CM Punk's last WrestleMania. Mm. Um, and so, uh, it's a, it's, this is, this is very intense. Everything here is very intense. And then they, they ratchet up an extra level by getting living color to come and play yeah. called a personality live. Yeah. For uh, CM Punk, which was beautiful, great performance. That was, that was, was fucking great, awesome. Yeah. Those guys are amazing. I was supposed to actually go see Corey uh, Corey Glover uh, at the Rams Head a mm-hmm. couple of years back, and then he something happened and he was sick, and uh, somebody somebody subbed in for him. But I was I was kind of bummed I didn't get to see him because those dudes are super talented. Um, I just I noted that like the Undertaker back in his full you know supernatural thing. Feuding with a guy who's decidedly not supernatural feels like a weird crossover, like a Batman and Shazam. Like it's like mm-hmm. two, <laughs> it's like two different universes kind of yeah. crossing, uh, crossing over, uh, which is a little weird. But they, they, I feel like they made it work. They did, and I mean, part of that genius of what made it work was Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is the glue that holds this whole thing together. <laughs> his incredible. from his mimicking and mocking of mm-hmm. Paul Bearer to his talking. And his his ability to help the guys in the ring tell the story. They need to put his ass in the Hall of Fame this year. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. Like he is so incredible, and he is incredible every time he shows up in something that this podcast has watched. Yeah, there has not been a single time where we're like, man, Paul Heyman's is in the way. 
Paul Heyman's, you know, he's, he's boring. Paul Heyman's not bringing anything to the table. We've never said that he is incredible and is doing the Lord's work in this match. He never, he never misses it. You know, he never misses a cue. He never like misjudges it. Like it's, it's always straight, you know, straight down the middle. It's just, he's fucking incredible. Um, And he will do whatever it takes to sell the moment. Like there was that recent viral clip of him, like threatening to fight a fan at like SmackDown. And like, (laughs) I think it was like Jay Uso holding him back. Like it's an amazing moment. It makes so much sense. It's so good. He's willing to throw himself into the crowd to fight someone over saying that Roman Reigns sucks. Like, yeah, incredible. Awesome. He's he's willing to like stutter and and yeah. kiss up and kowtow and oh, yeah. my, 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 my tribal chief. <laughs> yeah, so good. We can wake up. So, um, before we get to the actual match, I'll just you know the only other so Paul Heyman definitely makes this work. Uh, SACM Punk's commitment makes this work. The the setting, you know, the context of loss of Paul Bear. The Undertaker is is really fucking old and like should probably yeah. not be in the ring at this point. Um, and like so, the problem I always have with the Undertaker, um, especially you know after the first I don't know ten years or so, is that you get this huge dramatic entrance with the music and the fog and the the black lights and whatever and the druids and he comes down in the giant robe and then it gets in the middle of the ring and then the lights come up and then there's this just old kind of ridiculous looking guy with a terrible haircut and too much eye makeup and it's just it's just gone like whatever kind of mystique he had like in the entrance is is just blown away immediately you're like oh yeah I I always felt that when he went back to the dead man kind of thing he needed to go back to doing the pallor the the pale makeup yeah get himself looking like he's kind of dead again. Um, you know, but you know, that, that being said him and punk, this is in my opinion, undertaker's best WrestleMania match. I mean, they freaking go for it. Like they tell an amazing story. They, you know, punk. And then the storytelling starts the moment punk gets down to the ring and then the Undertaker's bell hits, and how frequently you'd have the wrestlers give this fear look on their faces. Punk looks excited. He yeah. is jazzed up, and Heyman is whispering in his ear, telling him not to get messed up by, by the pageantry and the and the psych and the psych out that the Undertaker does with his entrance, you know. And the Undertaker's entrance is incredible. It's one of his bests. He's got like there's like dancers with like reaching up from underneath the stage, (laughs) trying to claw at him and hold him back. And like, like he's walking out above these people's souls, like that are trapped in hell. Like it's an incredible visual. Um, and then, but when punk sees that the camera goes back to him and punk looks a little scared. Like (laughs) it's amazing storytelling, like right away, just like, they're not even fighting yet. And like, you're already like, Oh man. And the crowd is eating it up. The crowd yeah. is going nuts, nuts. Absolutely nuts. They love CM Punk. They love the undertaker. They genuinely don't know how this one's going to turn out. Cause yeah. also you're thinking, well, 20, and know, he's already got his 20, 20 in a row. He's, you know, he doesn't need to win another one. Yeah, maybe this is where we break it, right? This is this is it. Yeah. I also thought um, you know, Punk's whole thing throughout this is is that he's a punk, right? He's just a, yeah. he's a 
piece of shit kid and he's like has zero respect he when he does uh his like finishes he mocks the undertaker he does the sticking out the tongue and rolling his eyes and stuff yeah. um just to you know just to like twist the knife just a little bit um in the video package he does some stuff where he's like takes the urn and is like making it talk like Paul Bearer and stuff um he's uh he, you kind of want to see this kid yeah. get his comeuppance yeah and then like so and to talk about the greatness of Paul Heyman again punk reverses old school and then grabs undertaker's arm and walks him across walks across the top rope doing the old school move himself and in the background of that camera shot Paul Heyman is like looking up and holding the urn just like how Paul Bearer would if you went back and watched yeah. The Undertaker in 1992 walk Hulk Hogan on the on the on the ropes like he is nailing it he the mockery it's all there and so important to the storytelling of this match and you know they're they are they just go crazy and then they somehow survive the nastiness of the Spanish announce table. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the Spanish announcers got up and they didn't pull the release on the table or something uh, when they got up out of the way because I'm pretty certain that's how those tables work is that they have a they have like a release to mm-hmm. gimmick them and so when they get hit they they collapse. Yeah, that that table did not break. It didn't even no. it didn't oh, even like no. shudder. Uh, and it looked it looked a little bit nasty. It looked real bad, yeah. real bad for everybody involved. Yeah. The other thing that bothers me a lot in modern day wrestling is that they'll they'll be laying out on the outside of the ring, and then the ref will say nine in the count to ten, and then suddenly they just spring to life and get in the ring. Undertaker drags out his crawl back to the ring and times it perfectly. So it doesn't look like he just suddenly comes to life and gets back in the ring. Like, yeah, he worked his way over to the ring and at like nine and three quarters, he's finally rolling under the bottom rope. Like you were like, Holy shit. The undertaker's going to get counted (laughs) out. Like he sells it. You believe it. You know, it's not like, like even Cody is guilty of of doing the laying there dead until nine. And and then it's like, yeah. springs up like a cat and like he's fine he's good to go like then why did you wait lay there forever yeah punk flips over on the hell's gate into a pin that was amazing yeah punk is always impressive he comes out of nowhere with his like his mat wrestling reversal skills yeah he's got some really impressive technical stuff that you know i don't know that i really have appreciated before um and yeah. it's really on display here the um the sort of the finishing sequence here is is a series of go to sleep into tombstone back into go to sleep into tombstone um yeah. and they kind of keep like slipping out of it or uh and and the um yeah, just the the mechanics of getting in and out of those moves is is really kind of impressive. So. Yeah, and you you got to also think about how Undertaker he's getting up there as we were talking about. He's old at this point, but Punk makes him look great, and he makes Punk look great. Like there's there's something to be said there that like Taker doesn't show his age that much in this match. Yeah, I agree. And it's because uh, Punk is able to help him and get through it. And kind of, kind of take your eye away from it. Like he's, he's, he's the left hand waving at you while the magician slips a slips the ace of spades out of his right sleeve. You know, kind of thing. Like, yeah, he's well, he's covering the taker. He's covering taker perfectly. Yeah, 
Well, and I think he does it in a way that like somebody like Shawn Michaels would have done it by overselling, right? And right. doing a lot of fl- flopping around and dramatics and stuff and sort of, hey, look over here, look over here, whereas uh, Punk is, is like right in there with him, you know? And that's mm-hmm. uh, that, that makes him look all the all the more threatening and all the all the smoother, you know, again, despite sort of his, his age at this point. So um, Undertaker yeah. does get busted open at some point and is bleeding from his forehead. That one also looked unintentional from what I could tell. I think that happened when the table didn't break, possibly. Yeah. Like like um, Punk's elbow crawled him in the face or something. Does the reversal and catches Punk with a tombstone and gets the pin for, a, you know, a record of 21-0. Yeah. Um, and that's and that crowd went insane, <laughs> insane. Biggest pop of the whole night, yeah. right there. They really, they really hung with them through that whole match. Um, and actually, I think I feel like they're kind of worn out for the next match. Yeah, um, I mean, the next match kind of sucked, but like, yeah, because we get a super long <sighs> John Cena promo montage training video that's yeah. really giving off like Great White Hope slash Great White Hype <laughs> vibes. Um, I'm just like, we had Zeb Coulter talking about white supremacy basically. And now we have John Cena being like, you know, not just, not just that he's got to recover from his divorce to beat the rock, but you know, he's the great white savior of, of everything. Like, like really, really guys. Yeah. (laughs) Then we get a hype video for triple H versus Brock Lesnar, where we learn that Brock Lesnar broke triple H's arm twice within two months mm. the same arm twice within two mm. i don't think it ever really healed at that point <laughs> maybe stop giving him your arm broken yeah, right broken arms heal maybe maybe you're a professional wrestler and you have a broken arm don't go to work yeah <laughs> maybe take a take a couple weeks off listen, yeah, listen to take, the doctors take some time off uh don't go don't be in the same state as brock lesnar yeah like do something protect yourself <laughs> yeah um so we find out that sean will be in triple h's corner for this one um he comes out dancing his broken down cross-eyed ass to a sexy boy song it's kind of pathetic the dancing looked real bad he looked yes. real slow and like not able really to do it why couldn't and then also he's just like a manager kind of like moral support he doesn't need his own entrance no he does not well, and he's wearing like, um, like redneck jeans and like some kind of like fucked up looking cowboy boots, uh, yeah. and then the tank top for some sort of, uh, I don't know, sporting goods thing. I I didn't know yeah. what the hell was happening, um, but that's uh, okay. Brock Lesnar is wearing Jimmy John's hat <laughs> and Jimmy John's shorts, <laughs> and uh, I'm amazed he doesn't have Jimmy John's tattooed on his back. Yeah. Well, so that was so. his big sponsor when he was in MMA. Um, yeah. And he just wore the same exact shorts and hat, which I was kind of surprised that uh, WWE, you know, let him let him do that. I mean, I know they're into the cross promotion and stuff, but seriously, well, they were in bed together at that point already. I, I mean, the the merger with UFC was just waiting. It was just a matter of time. All I could think of was uh, Ricky Bobby with the Fig Newton sticker. Yeah, this sticker is dangerous and inconvenient, but I sure do love Fig Newtons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, uh, let's see, Triple H's entrance is just a, he's, he's got his little playhouse back, his little Aryan, Aryan, like, uh, uh, playhouse medieval looking thing. He thinks he's in, uh, He-Man. Yeah. Um, 
and he's got sprayed with something and like he's part of his body is glowing the dark glowing in the dark on the way to the ring i'm like is that shaving cream on him like what the hell just happened so and i like, think you see him wiping it off yeah <laughs> so i think it was supposed to be like fake snow or fake ice from his little ice castle or whatever but it kind of looks like he had jizz all over his stomach and like yeah it looked real bad yeah real bad <laughs> my wife caught a bit of this and she's like what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah why is triple h glowing in the dark yeah it's, uh, maybe, it was a, maybe it was a throwback to the White Castle of Fear. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. Where am I going? What am I doing? <laughs> it's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. White Castle. <laughs> Fucking Harley Race Invader waiting for you in a mountain. Yeah. No, no thanks. I'll just stay down here at the bottom. Uh, speaking of speaking of deep cuts, the the announcers uh, name drop Brad Reingantz <laughs> during this. They mentioned that that uh, apparently both Triple H and Brock Lesnar were tra- trained by Brad Reingantz, oh. and so was Shawn Michaels. Uh, so they're they're harking back to the AWA here, which I thought was fascinating that yeah. they bring that up. Yeah, we've seen him in a couple of those AWA shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. This match lasts forever. It's kind of pointless. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Spanish we'll just... announce table did break this time. <laughs> well, the other, the previous guy softened it up for him. So, yeah, I did. It, Brock looked stiff and awkward and not really selling at the opening of this match, but then he, he eventually gets it together. Yeah. Um, but like, there's there's definitely uh, some some stiff working happening in this because uh, like Lesnar has a shiner forming under his right eye, Triple H has the same thing. Lesnar starts <laughs> bleeding from his mouth. Yeah, uh, they are they are getting in a mess, and then eventually the crowd turns on Triple H. Yeah, and they start chanting "Break his arm, break his arm!" <laughs> like yeah, that's a New York crowd, man. Yeah. Hey, New York, the hell yeah. of a town. Yeah, no. Um, uh, Michaels uh, tries to get involved and uh, gets an F five for his trouble, which uh, I think broke his nose. I was hoping it was he is straighten he, out his eye, but it didn't help. He is bloody AF. Yeah, the next time we see him, <laughs> Heyman tries to get involved and catches a super kick from Michaels. That was actually a pretty good spot. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was great. Um, that was possibly the best spot of the match, besides like. Lesnar rolling around and selling and and like moaning like crazy. That yeah. was good too. So, <laughs> yeah, the end uh, the end goes on a little too long. So the the steps get dragged into the middle of the ring and Triple H has an armbar and Brock. He keeps cranking it down, um, and they go through this like three times. And each time, like Brock will pick him up and slam Triple H down on the ring steps and try to get him to break the hold. Well, the third time, his head's down too far and he knocks himself silly. And the announcers trip all over themselves trying to say that, oh, what actually happened is that uh, Triple H turned it into a DDT because yeah. um, he's the cerebral assassin. You get it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then they show the replay and go, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, for, yeah no, for sure. Uh, and then he gets the... Um, Triple H gets the sledgehammer and does that half-assed uh, thing out, which yeah. I know is your favorite. Um, and then a pedigree on the steps for the win. It was it was bad. It was not not a great match. Yeah, I mean Lesnar was impressive as hell. He just picks up those steel steps <laughs> like they weigh nothing. Like they're just like like toys. Like it's like, that's actually what Jerry Lawler says. He picks them up yeah. like a toy. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's massive. Like 
and you know just i don't know i feel like we harp on this all the time but the the sledgehammer thing is so fucking dumb yeah like first of all you couldn't use a sledgehammer on another human being without murdering them second of all if you were going to do that you the way that you would do that would not be to pick it up put your hand over the head of the sledgehammer and ram it and ram it and then brock lesnar puts his hand up so it's the head of the hammer triple h's hand brock's hand and then brock's head anyway it's dumb it's dumb and it's phony and i hate it and it makes me mad yeah yeah i i I agree we don't need to dig into it more because it is (laughs) fucking bullshit you're trying to tell me to move on sorry Mm -hmm. okay sorry (laughs) um well it's hall of fame time it's hall of fame time this is a good class well with one exception yeah with one exception i would say two but yeah so mick foley is out first everyone loves mick foley yeah. Um, he should get inducted three times. He should. Um, Trish Stratus. I um, don't know why, but okay. Yeah. She looks good. She reveals that she's going to have a baby. I don't care. Bob Backlund is a fucking maniac. And I'm oh. like, he wasn't already in. <laughs> the dude was champion for like five years. Yeah, no. The dude incredible. sets up Hulkamania, and he wasn't already in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. What? I don't know if he, like, I don't know if he wrecked Vince's car or something. I don't know. Maybe I somebody. Don't know. Maybe they were waiting on somebody know. to die to put him in. I don't know. I don't know. I think the Iron Sheik got in before him, right? I think so. Maybe they needed like Arnold Scalin to die or something <laughs> before they do it. Booker T, uh, who we love. Yeah, good choice. And then for the celebrity wing, it was Donald Trump. Um, and we, which is why he was also there. Yeah. And Zeb in the back. I will say when he's introduced in the stadium, there's lots of booing. Yeah, because uh, New York City and northern New Jersey already knew what a piece yeah. of shit human being he was with just the just how bad of a landlord he was. Yeah. No, they've they've always We don't even need guy. to talk about his politics. They were annoyed by by how bad of a landlord he was and he was they were always annoyed because of uh of his uh, motorcade constantly causing traffic jams through Times Square. Because yeah. he's an ass and he needs a police escort everywhere he goes. They, they, New York has been on to him for a couple yeah. of decades. It just took the rest of us yeah. a little too long. Um, just like they were on to Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. They already knew about him too. So, <laughs> Yeah, he had a he had a little grace period there after 9-11. They're like, oh yeah, he's not so bad. And then they're like, yeah, no, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, and then anyway, the last one in the class is Bruno Sammartino. Again, a guy who should what? have been in 10 years ago. Their longest reigning champion ever was not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't, maybe they were waiting for a New York one to do it. They had already had a New York one. <laughs> <laughs> like at this point in time, WrestleMania had returned to like New York like every five years. Yeah. So I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? He sh- yeah, he sh- he should have been in ages ago. Um, this is uh, just a little side side note. This is the WrestleMania with the smallest in memoriam group that I think we've had so far. Wow. Um, and Bruno Sammartino is the only one from the Hall of Fame class who, who's not with us anymore. Anyway, I enjoy the Hall of Fame. Um, I do, too. It's good to see those guys. I like Bob Backlund come out and doing his maniac stuff that he does. Yeah. Um, Just because, like, it looked great when he was really young, but now as an old man, <laughs> holy mackerel, it looks insane. With his back arch, that weird, unnatural-looking back arch, and, like, yeah. the posture, and then, like, the way he holds his arms out, and, like, ah! Like, he's a weird uh, dude. Yeah. 
That's okay. not how you're. That's not how a person's supposed to look. Just, <laughs> well, he still looks. You know, he looks like uh, Howdy Doody. You know, the ginger and the freaking uh, suspenders and whatever. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So we're up to the main event. That's John Cena versus The Rock again. They wrestled last year at WrestleMania, and The Rock uh, took the belt then, right? Um, no, am I remembering that, that correctly? Non, that was a non-title match. That was a non-title match, but The Rock or The Rock won that one, though, right? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so major booze for John Cena. Like, yeah. holy <laughs> shit! And that was like get out of the stadium heat yeah. happening on Cena. Like, boy. And the, the announcers are trying to cover it up, like, oh, he feeds on it. He likes it. <laughs> like, mm, no. <laughs> There's no way anybody likes being greeted like that in a stadium of of arguably 80,000 people. Yeah. No, they, they're they not pleased. There's a really cool sign. It's it's a it's like an entire sheet of poster board filled with writing. And it's, a, you know which one I mean? <laughs> and it says, the we hate the, quote, we hate Cena guys. Last year we saw one of them spill beer on a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and right next to it is a sign that says twice in a lifetime. <laughs> Ouch. <sighs> That's if you guys back. don't remember WrestleMania yeah. 28's tagline was once in a lifetime and the entire John Cena versus The Rock match was hyped as once in a lifetime opportunity, once in a lifetime match it'll uh-huh. never happen again flash forward one year <laughs> we're doing it again we're rewinding, <clears throat> we're doing it again now The Rock has a big pop when he comes out, oh, yeah. but it's not as it's not as much as you would have expected. And yeah. I think it's just because the crowd hates Cena more than they love The Rock. <laughs> well, I mean, The Rock had been away for you know quite a while, and then you know he's he's been back for like the first this last year or whatever. But like he's not kind of he kinda, wins the right? title and then he kind of disappears. Yeah, you know he disappears with the title. So yeah, so he's yeah he's there but not really right. So he's not. He's not at the shows week in, week out. He's not. People know that his wrestling career is mostly wrapping up at this point. You know. Yeah. He um he comes out. He looks like he was doing jumping jacks backstage. He's all like yeah, sweaty and breathing hard and stuff. I don't know. Well, I mean, they're trying to get their heart rate up because yeah. I think it's down to about forty-five <laughs> degrees out at this point. So like they've lost ten degrees since the since the opening bell. So he's about to go out there in his underwear. Yeah, he's not. Not a whole lot of options. You got to get that heart rate going to keep you warm, to get the circulation <laughs> going so that frostbite doesn't set in. Uh, of all the main events we've ever watched, this is probably the least amount of notes I took. Same. In in any because this match is so boring. We don't even really need to talk much about it. It is it is it is punches, punches, punches. Oh, rock bottom. No. Punches, punches, punches. Oh, attitude adjustment. No. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's not great. It's it's very long. It's very repetitive. Yeah. It has the same finish as Undertaker, CM Punk, basically, yep. which is like one of them keeps trying to put the other on their shoulders for the finish, and then he slips off, and then he gets rock bottom, and then the ad repeat ad nauseum. Yep. Um, also, the Rock's punches look like shit. I don't. Yep. Have you, did you notice that? Yep. Like, ha- have they always looked like shit? And I just didn't notice it before. Mm, no. 
Because he, d- he used to have the like the big punch, big punch, yeah. and then the spit in the hand, and then yeah. the big come around punch, which was, yeah. it was always good. And now this, these his punches look like crap this entire match. Yeah. Uh, Cena kind of looks like crap. This, it looks, this is a John Cena match. No one has advantage ever during the whole thing. It's a stagnant, 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 exchange of finishers, stagnant, exchange of finishers, uh, reverse, reverse, reverse pin. That's, yeah. you know, and in, it's just... I actually wrote, I'm glad it's over because I was, I was exhausted. I was tired of watching it. I didn't, I, it, nothing happens in this match there. I wrote down exactly two different spots. The rock had a beautiful spine buster at one point, mm-hmm. which was one of the three moves that he did in the tire match. And Cena catches the rock in a cross body, which was impressive because the rock is a big mofo and John Cena is a strong mofo. Yeah. So that was impressive, but that is the extent of the action. <laughs> Yeah, and I actually had put my computer away and then came back to finish watching the match, and it, I didn't bother to get my computer back out and take any more notes. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, um, after the match, uh, you know, there's a there's a handshake and uh, there's a long conversation um, where obviously Cena's paying respect to The Rock and Rock hands him the belt, and then Cena actually rolls out of the ring with the belt and lets The Rock's hang out and get his yep. applause because he's again he's going away now for for good quote unquote yeah once in a lifetime blah 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 yeah um, the hand the handshake and hug got booed yeah <laughs> I loved that <laughs> loved it fucking New York man that's that's what do you mean you're friends now yeah it's fucking bullshit you guys have hated each other for two years and now you're besties yeah Bleh. punch each other in the face punch them in the wiener. <laughs> as they said on dynamite this past week god so all right so let's wrap this bad boy up uh what's what's your favorite match from wrestlemania 29 from 2013 uh, take her punk okay yeah that's... don't even have to think about it take her punk and i almost never pick a undertaker match but i think i have to agree uh yeah no the rest were not i mean it's not that they were all there was nothing stinking on this card yeah. except for John Cena versus The Rock. That yeah. match sucked. Nothing was terrible on this card. It yeah. just Undertaker Punk sticks out because it was the best storytelling on the show. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, the worst match, worst match, <laughs> Fandango versus Chris yeah. Jericho. Oh, it was bad. Because at least Mark Henry versus Ryback, you knew what you were getting. Yeah, and you got it. Meaty men. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, well, and Fandango versus Jericho was a botch fest. Like it felt like an episode of Dynamite, honestly. Like, yeah, I saw somebody yeah. calls uh, called AEW accidents every week on the uh, on the internet, which which <laughs> I really I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh shit, moment. Uh, when the Spanish announce table did not break. <laughs> I, I thought, literally said oh shit and grabbed my ribs. <laughs> I thought for sure, like CM Punk's hip was gonna like come out of the other side of his body, yeah. uh, with the way he hit that that table. Um, I said, "Oh shit!" When Living Color came out, actually, mm, yeah, that's a good moment too. <laughs> Those guys are great. Shout out to them for keeping it real for twenty, yeah. thirty years, however long it's been. Um, and overall, letter grade for this one. Well, as I was telling you before, uh, if this uh, if this WrestleMania had been three hours long, so they trimmed down the bloat, they trimmed up the the stuff, uh, the cross promotions and all that good stuff, this would be easily in the top five of all time WrestleManias. I think 
The Undertaker Punk match is great. You got the hype, at least, of Cena versus The Rock. You have a good Hall of Fame class. Uh, you have a decent match between Jack Swagger and Alberto Del Rio. You have a bunch of new faces and like just excitement, things that hold your attention through the whole darn show. Um, but the bloat is just so suffocating on this one. Um, you forget sometimes that you're actually watching wrestling because um, <laughs> it, it takes so long to get to the next match. Epic, yeah. um, and I'm just like, I feel, I feel bad for the people in the stadium. That's like, it's like 40 some degrees and shivering and wet. And you got to watch WWE is partnering with the special Olympics. I don't give a shit. I'm cold. <laughs> we um, love the national guard. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Now fight. Uh, we love so, the Mattel Power Slammers. Yeah, great. Thank you. <laughs> I'll buy them for Christmas. Uh, so let me see. I'm going to be generous with a 3.5 out of 5. Okay. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think, you know, if we were going to yeah, obviously trim down the non-wrestling bloat, I would cut Fandango and Jericho. I would probably cut... Triple H and Brock Lesnar, um, or at least cut it to like a 12 minute, like slobber knocker, you know, um, make it a, not a, uh, no holds barred match, like make it an actual match, make them stay in the ring, make them do actual wrestling moves. Um, I think that would have made a, made a, a nice tight show. I think it would have been, um, not terrible. I paused this thing. I was looking through the card. I'm like, Oh, okay. There's only two matches to go. I was in the middle of Undertaker versus Punk. I'm like, I'm going to pause this and go, you know, pee or whatever. And I, I look, it's like there's an hour and 40 minutes left. I'm like, Jesus, like, what is happening? I thought, yeah. I, I, thought I fell into like a, a time warp or something. Like, how is it? Anyway, um, 3.5. Yeah, we got to mark this one down, too, for not having a women's match. Even though the women's matches yeah. are notoriously bad, there is no <laughs> women on the WrestleMania that they induct Trish Stratus into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, in the IC belt, too, again, that's that's yeah. par for the course at this point. But that actually looked like a halfway and, decent match. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably put it somewhere around the same. Maybe, maybe three and a quarter. Mm-hmm. 3.75, I don't know, somewhere in there. I'd, yeah. say, I'd say maybe a, if it were, we were doing letter grades, I'd give it a B. So I don't, somewhere in the three. Man, you're always playing with this. <laughs> you know, WrestleMania 28, you decided to do a ranking out of four, like a, some psychopath. And yeah. then and now you're like, if I had to give it a letter grade, <laughs> just man up, man up, number out of five. Number out to, of five. If Come I had on. to give it a, uh, a binary code score... Um, <laughs> No, I, th- I I feel like three point five is actually fair. Um, yeah, it's you know it's it's on the positive side of a of good, right? But it's not great. Uh, so yeah, yeah. There's no see me note written at the top of this paper. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Call your parent. All right, so let's wrap this bad boy up. Um, we'll just take a second here, as we always do, to pay tribute to the men, you know, men and women, but just time men, uh, that we saw on this WrestleMania who are no longer with us or in memoriam section for WrestleMania 29 from 2013. Uh, very short list includes Howard Finkel, Dusty Rhodes, who was on the pre-show panel that's not on the recording, uh, Paul Bearer, who we sort of only see in uh, video recaps, and of course, Bruno San Martino from the Hall of Fame segment. 
All right, that's our show for today. Thanks again so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Um, you can find us at allthewrestlemanias.com. Look for us on Facebook and uh, Instagram. We've got a uh, Threads account on Instagram now. You can follow our stories on there. We're still on X uh, for the foreseeable future. We're at WrestleMania Pod. You can always drop us emails at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to ko-fi.com slash allthewrestlemanias. Drop us the cost of a cup of coffee and it sort of helps us out with uh you know production and equipment and um you know being able to, to do fun stuff and get guests on the show and uh and bring you the bring you the latest and greatest so so for now i'm your co-host tim and i'm rich and we'll see you next time everybody yeah.